welcome to Behind the Mosaic. I'm your host, Dawn Marie Zimmerman. I'm an artist who is also the executive director of SAMA, the Society of American Mosaic Artists. Thank you for listening. And since this is our first episode, I want to quickly share a bit about our organization with you. We are a nonprofit dedicated to educating, inspiring, and promoting excellence in mosaic arts. We have produced publications, exhibitions, and conferences which include educational experiences and public service projects for over 17 years. In that time, we've seen incredible growth in the awareness of mosaic as an art medium, and even more so, an evolution of the medium itself in the hands of North American artists. Behind the Mosaic will be a series of audio studio visits with some of the most inspirational people in our community. And we start off with a truly unique artistic voice, Canadian artist, Sophie Druin. Sophie's award-winning work has been featured in professional exhibits in Italy, France, and North America. In addition to her many commissioned works, she has performed as juror and exhibition curator. She's taught mosaic technique in several studios throughout the United States and Canada, and is the English editor of the French publication Mosaïque magazine. Classically trained in Italy, France, and the United States, she is lauded for her innovative work in combining natural stone and marble materials with mosaic glass in both a traditional and modern style. Her works include wall hangings and sculptures and incorporate uniquely textured and contoured motifs. She will be a featured presenter and education session instructor at the 2018 American Mosaic Summit in Boston, Massachusetts, March 13th through the 18th. We are also excited to announce that Sophie will be the 2018 Mosaic Arts International Exhibition Invitational Artist. Our conversation starts at the origins of her love for her favorite material, and then evolves to explore the deeply personal meaning behind her mosaic practice. I could not be more excited to set the tone of this podcast series that I have been dreaming of for years now with the conversation I'm about to share with you. So whether you are listening in your car or on the treadmill or while you're working away in your studio, make sure to take a moment to check out the link that we provide in the show notes, which will direct you to the SAMA website, AmericanMosaics.org. And we have a post there to accompany this audio presentation. It includes images, uh, reference links, as well as a little bit of vocabulary index for those that may be new to some of the mosaic terminology that Sophie and I kind of swim around in on this episode. So, okay, are you ready? Well, let's get right to it. Hi, Sophie. Hello. Sophie, thank you for doing this with me. Our first, our inaugural uh, podcast for SAMA. I really... It's absolutely my pleasure. I'm thrilled that... Well, I'm thrilled about a lot of things, as you know. Um, I'm excited about our Boston events coming up. I'm excited about the conference and the exhibition. Um, 
but I'm really excited about the work that you're doing right now. So we'll talk about that a little bit in a little bit. Okay. I want to start though, uh, I guess at the beginning, technically the mosaic beginning for you. And I think your experience with mosaic started very uniquely. I don't think there's a lot of people that are working in mosaic today that have a story similar to yours in that um, it was it was in and around the house for you growing up with your dad, yes. your father yes. as a, an artist. So I'm curious if you have a memory of what uh, what your first memory of a mosaic was, if if you can even remember. Well, um, if well, I um, I don't even remember my first yeah. brush with mosaic, but my parents, uh, 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 I, was, I was in pre-kindergarten, and the teacher noticed that whenever there was any music going on, I would actually behave, and I was a very, mm-hmm. um, before I became a bookworm, I was a very active child, and so behaving was a, a a very good behavior. <laughs> they they really liked that, and they thought, oh well, maybe music, you know. So uh, um, for my fourth birthday, I actually, I mean, I didn't wasn't my idea to get a violin. What I wanted was a mosaic hammer or a prospector's hammer, because ah. I I saw my dad with one. Because he, uh, I mean, even on my parents' honeymoon, my dad was collecting materials for the mosaic lab at the fine arts school in Quebec City where he taught. Wow. Um, yeah, he, he, he had this prospector's hammer at four years old. I thought, well, this is cool. I always loved rocks. I had these rock collections and rock samples and little... You know, I I had a little um, cache of rocks, and I, I oh my God, the, it's one of the first things I spent pocket money. There was a on my way to my violin lessons on the other side of the the river where I took the ferry. There was a rock shop, and I remember I still have it actually, a piece of clear calcite just a block that fits really nicely in the hand mm-hmm. was one of the first things I spent, <laughs> you know, considerable for my age, money on. Like, I wasn't interested in shells. It had to be rocks. Uh-huh. I loved, I loved rocks. <laughs> so um, I, I asked for a prospector's hammer, and I got a violin instead. And so... <laughs> So yeah. music and and mosaic and rocks were all basically parallel for you throughout your life from early on. Um. Y- yes. Uh. I mean, I wanted. Um, I I le- I had a love of rocks and minerals. It was just collecting and not making. We had this um, after my dad. The, the his fine arts school actually got amalgamated with the university and the school itself because it was in the old part of town uh, Quebec City got this big 
sort of urban reno thing happening and the mm-hmm. fine arts school was an ugly building and it came down oh. they demolished it so the the uh the big mosaic that was in our house was given to to my dad by the school when the the the, the demo, demolition happened because they said well take it or it goes down with the school we have nowhere to put it oh wow it was a class project by my my uh, dad's class in which he had given six different teams um a panel in a mosaic to do he'd cut up some kind of composition and he didn't tell them what it was <laughs> just a black and white picture to have fun with the materials and 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 do right mm-hmm. and so each team had a cut up piece of this puzzle and um when the the project was finished he reassembled the picture which was a tree canopy i don't know for what angle the picture was but it was a yeah. tree okay and he reassembled it and reassembled it again out of order and every single configuration was pleasant to mm-hmm. the eye and the the moral of the lesson i guess like the lesson really <laughs> was that if you start from an organic pattern and you you can transform it a little bit you end up with a pleasing abstract Ah, okay. So that's a lesson I have never forgotten. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it faced me when I got home, you know, twice a day. <laughs> I From when I can remember, yeah. Where is that yeah. work now? It still is in my parents' old house. Oh, wow. Actually, I, I heard from the present owners no later than yesterday because they found letters uh, they found letters that my parents had written to each other in one of the walls recently, and they contacted me to give give them to me. And she said, the mosaic is losing a little rock here, a little rock there. And I said, next time I'd be in the vicinity, I'll go and fix it. Yeah. So I'll oh, see it again, which is, which is awesome. It is. It, that is very awesome. What a great story. Yeah. So would you say you... Um, I'm just, it's, well, I to was me, very it, fixed on, on, on music for a long time. Right. And, that, and, and that's, what, I guess, my... Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what started me in mosaic in actually doing mm-hmm. was, um, was when my, my parents sold the house and moved back to where they had grown up. Because ah, okay. there was no family... And what kept us in Quebec City was just my dad's job. So once he retired, he sold the house. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want the mosaic. Can I hire somebody to take it out? And he said, no, because the adhesive at this point was not ideal because it was made in the late 60s when adhesives are not as good as they are today and he said if somebody moves it most of it will fall down anyway okay so i said okay well then you're retired you have no excuse you're gonna teach me because i want Ah. to make something like that yeah and that's when he came and he spent a good week 
with me in my basement, and we didn't even have a proper hammer and hardy. We had a brick hammer, and we put a chisel in a in a log, and yeah, <laughs> we did we did what we could. <laughs> and so he spent a very happy week ensconced in my basement with me. <laughs> and when was this? This was 20 years ago last year. 20 year. years ago. Now, when yep. he learned mosaic, he learned in Italy, all he, over Europe. Yep. He traveled quite a bit. He, uh, no, I, well, he, he spent two years in Italy, one year in Florence and a year in Venice. And he was the apprentice, uh, a, an apprentice to a, a famous painter uh, uh, who lives who lived in Venice his name is Bruno Saiti and Bruno Saiti actually did mosaics as well so I have a very old picture of my dad in front of a mosaic in in uh, making a mosaic in Italy so <laughs> when my dad passed away soon after starting to teach me actually he died of a Lou Gehrig's disease I went back to Italy to to see, you know, I found this course online and I thought, well, you know, this is where he learned, so maybe I can learn more. Mm -hmm. And uh, the teacher was Luciana Notturni. I went there for two two weeks. And uh, she, I mean, for the, yeah, she was fabulous teacher, you know, teaching the, the rules of the grammar and, and you know, had, had, uh, had a lot to say and yeah. and started me started me yeah it was it was quite amazing started you very, on a on a very prolific journey i mean you've created quite a body of work since then you've been juried into yeah, mosaic arts international like seven times <laughs> you've juried it was the like opening a pandora's box yes. i mean once once i it's, it's strange because um, I'm an oh, I'm an orchestral violinist, and you know um, I I study. I mean, I did study art. I I went to a, a youth a youth program on the weekends because my dad was teaching, and you know it was very convenient to go. Mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, it's it's been strange because creating has been um, influenced by the the kind of blueprints I have been playing as a violinist, like the 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 music that you that people hear in a concert hall. I mean, we the notes on the page can come out quite differently depending on how you interpret it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like an, archi an architect making a blueprint and the builder, yeah, okay, so you can put stained glass in that window or that window, paint the front door blue or green or red, but basically the bones have to be, you know, the, the notes don't change, but you can, you can make the 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 thing uh quite differently flavored depending on, on the little things you do 
And I think and that's, some, that's really interesting that you say that, Sophie, because looking at your work, there is a vibration to it to me visually there's a visualization of vibration and so when i think of music and sound waves and and look at your work that's what i think about um really well, yeah i see i'm i'm i guess i'm too close to it i don't yeah. i don't see it <laughs> but um. i'm curious i'm curious would you say you as just as a person experience the world primarily through sound or through tactile touch or is it a combination of both because there is this parallel like i said between music and uh stone for you stone well, it's, mosaic it's making word. it's the same word music and same. mosaic it's from the muses the muses mm -hmm. it's the same word um but t to me um Music has informed my mosaic, yes, but mostly for me, what I feel, I mean, I, I, I don't know about these vibrations, like that, that's the way it comes out, but I consciously mm -hmm. tried to avoid repeating myself or repeating other people's stuff because as a musician, what what gets programmed what what we retain from history in historically like you know we don't play banal composers from 300 years ago we play the geniuses mm -hmm. so we play bach we play mozart we play beethoven and these guys revolutionized music at, at their time this is what is valued in music mm -hmm. is the we value the geniuses that put their stamp on things so when uh when i create to me being derivative is 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 death like i i avoid it like the plague i i i joke <laughs> that i make my life really hard by never never going the easy route because it's been taken so, so there's a very to... clear conscious intent to yes be authentic yes yes i and i can't like i i it, it would be more way more comfortable and and, and um practical sometimes to to you know uh, walk the beaten path, but I, I can't bring myself to do it. You're not at peace. It's like I try, I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. I make my life really hard. <laughs> well, and I think one way that you do that is with your choice of materials. So this kind of feeds into this part of what I wanted to talk to you about really well, because there are certain materials that in a mosaic were really not seen too much until you really started to play with them, um, copper in particular. And so I wanted to know a little bit about your thoughts because your your love of rocks we've established <laughs> was very early on. Um, well, it, it, um, uh, marble and stone in general, when you work with them, they will push you in certain directions because okay you you have let's say you have 
one tile, a 12 by 12 inch of travertine. Well, it's not like having a pizza of small tea. Pizza of small tea, it's one color all the way through. The travertine might have a half dozen different tones within that one tile. Mm -hmm. It will nudge you to use them. I mean, you open up a piece of travertine or a piece of marble that's uh, got more than one color going through it. Well, it always does. I mean, you'll have veins. You'll have variations. You'll have ideas coming at you from the material, and one gets addicted to that. Right. Uh, I did go study once. I went I went to Arsoni's for the express purpose of only working in smalty because I find it really hard to plan your colors so exactly ahead of time because stones guide me. Mm, okay. Like they 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 help you along the way. It's really cool. <laughs> so yeah. Um, well, don't you like to say <laughs> To listen to the rocks, that's how they... Oh, well, yes, yes. <laughs> well, we, uh, when I went, yeah, when I went to Venice, I actually met wonderful American mosaic people that I, are still my friends, and uh, that's where I met Bill Buckingham and Rachel Sager, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had, I had, uh, I had fun there, <laughs> but uh, yeah, listening to the rocks is is something that actually does happen. Like it, it's you open up a piece, and here's a surprise. You know, you you just yeah. So did, uh, so the rocks whispered, "Let's play with some copper too." Or how did the copper uh, come into to, into play? Copper, I find copper fascinating because it. It works well with warm, wonderful tones that are very um, that that I, I had I had lots of rocks of this family of color and copper works well with it and copper is also um, it is malleable in more than one way it it. It is a wonderful material because if you if you take a torch to it, you can change its color. Mm. So you can pass from you know this this pinkish raw copper, then it turns orange, then it turns fuchsia, and then it turns blue, then it turns wheat color, and then it finally turns brown. And then it turns black. So you have a whole choice of things you can do with copper. And I, f I find copper to be a good earthy tone that um, that works well with many, many things. I don't know. It, it's, there's something about it. It's a, it's a metal, but it's not a cold metal. It has a mm -hmm. nice warm tone to it. And... Um, I, li I like to, I don't know, I started weaving with it, and that was, that, that was fun, just making sort of basket weaves, but in different shapes, and really, they're little woven sculptures, and I have a new one that's 
going to be coming to Boston that I, I really, yeah, it took me a while to, to figure that one out, but uh, in the end, it, I got there. <laughs> <laughs> and adding also the the highly reflective or glossy element of the glass, the Daldever glass, um, and the the juxtaposition of the the matte stone with the reflective yeah. glass and then the metal as well. Talk to me a little bit about that creating those richly textured works that um, have this both they draw you in, but there's a bit of a reflection as well. Um, contrast is a good thing to have in music, in mosaic, in, in food even. Like a good menu has a bit of this and followed by a bit of that. You have to have, um, when you plan a, a, a musical program, you have to plan it a little bit like a, a meal menu you start with an overture or an appetizer and then you go on the the concerto mostly like the, the traditional music program has a concerto after that so that's that's a a bigger meal a bigger part of the meal and then the symphony at the end is the big entree if you want uh and it there's a there's a great a, a, a planned progression to mm -hmm. it and um, so in music and food it's like that but it's also like that in mosaic if you have contrast within one piece you have more elements coming together and uh, especially when I'm working with Daldaver it's wonderful to use Daldaver as the translucent component um, when you have a piece that's hanging in a window, say, um, when it's daytime, mm -hmm. what you notice is the the Daldaver bits because the inside of the house is lit by outside light. You don't have too many spotlights on your Daldaver pieces during the day. Right. So you notice all the transparent bits. And then at night, when it's dark outside and your house is lit up, then if you put um, stone mosaics on the inside of the cement slab of the Daldaver piece, you, that is, becomes very visible at night when you have your, uh, you know, what, whatever room's lights there are, that's when you notice the stone bit. To me, stone and glass are um, are best when seen side by side. Uh, mm -hmm. Just stone, just stone is more is more possible to have something with just stone materials because you have so many natural textures to choose from. But glass is is so glossy it's like too much bling that you don't notice it anymore if you have just a little bit just a little something rather than too much of it it will be more valuable within the piece it's its impact will be um will be at its maximum it's it's like you don't taste 
too much of one food so that you don't taste it anymore. If you have too much of something, you don't want it anymore. Uh, if you keep everything in in balance, and also it's not just the materials that you have to keep in balance, but it's the ideas. Mm. Well, um, and that and then that makes me curious yeah. about your process in incorporating ideas because there's such intent with the composition of the 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 choice of materials and weaving in thematic ideas when you're working in the abstract how does that play in because it sounds like your entire creative process could, is very similar to the the construction of an orchestral piece where does ideology come into your creative process Oh, that, that it depends on the piece. Sometimes it's a, 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 I I will often have a visual idea that turns more and more refined. And like, you know, as you, you know, when when you go to bed at night and you're just about to fall asleep, sometimes an idea will actually hit me then. And it's very strange, but... Um, it it's it, it, the the kernel of shapes and color that that usually is the start and it if it's a good idea it will come more and more as as i get more used to creating pieces that have extra meaning like that it 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 gets more and more that way that there will be a um a concept uh that that goes with something that looks abstract but is really something that means more than just something pretty on on a wall um i like i I'm, i try to add something to it so that it it starts with a visual idea but i will play around with it until there's more to it than that okay. like i've got this piece where i wanted to make a piece where birds come emerge out of a surface as if they're breaking the surface of water of very dark water and the birds are dark too, but they, 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 they break it a little bit in one area of the mosaic. And as you go to another area of the mosaic, more and more of their bodies are emerging so that at one end of the mosaic, you see a beak or a little bit of head or a wing, but at the other end, there's a whole bird taking flight. And I started to play around with, do I want this to be a happy bunch of birds? Or a sad mm -hmm. bunch of birds, and what can I say with this? Okay. And there came the the idea that oh yeah, well there's something that bugs me in life, and it's when birds smack into office windows when uh, when they're kept lit at night, and it's a huge problem in Toronto, close to where I live, mm -hmm. at migration time because the Great Lakes are you know like the birds go 
go north or south and they they hit those windows there's actually people who are paid to gather them up every day oh my goodness at the bottom it's so i wanted to um maybe draw attention to this because it maybe could help make Mm -hmm. who knows with enough attention drawn to problems sometimes there's less apathy and they get solved so um i decided to make this piece and call it afterlife and have this um mm, this this fictional narrative into which well the birds they 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 go in the glass and they emerge in in some unseen dimension mm. and they continue to fly off but uh i mean if you see it you you think, well, it's a dark bunch of birds taking flight. Fine. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's not. But, it's, but it all know, started. I like, I like to, yeah, I like to have an extra narrative so people can grab on to something. The more meaningful a piece, the more meaningful a piece, you know, like it, it if it works on an intellectual level as well, then we've all gained something, right? Excellent. Yes. Yes, but I love I love hearing that you start with the visual idea, and yeah. then yeah. as yeah. you are in the process of trying to achieve that visual idea, it much more meaning comes along with it as you work through the the making process, and I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and and planning, 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 planning always helps. Drawing, sketching, sculpting, you know, using. Uh, you know, like the we we use uh, polystyrene a lot, uh, but also clay. You know, just any way that I can sketch and plan something. The more I plan, the the more happy accidents might happen too, because it's it's sort of like a, a once you reach a critical mass of work into something, it it tends to fall in place. And if, if it's not uh, an accident, but it feels like one, mm-hmm. like a very happy accident. <laughs> I think those you know, are the it, best it, moments. Oh, they're awesome. They're awesome because there's so many steps we take when we create mosaics. There's shaping the little pieces and the big pieces. Uh, it's such a... Um, it's, it's such a a multi-level way of uh, dividing your attention. This is this is why I think it attracts women mm. so much because making a mosaic is really multitasking within one task. Because you you're going along, you have to control your andamental. You have to control what ideas you're saying. You have to control the little bits. And keep the big picture in mind at the same time, and it's it's not a monotask; it's a multitask project. No matter what the mosaic is, there are so many um, minutia that need to be accomplished. But you can't lose sight of your goal, or everything goes wrong. Keep it's, keep yeah. an eye on the whole. Uh, as you work through the details, and I think every there's so many choice. Yeah, every single tesseract. It, it either helps the piece, 
or and if it there's no neutrality, it either helps or there's a missed opportunity if it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't help your piece and you put a piece in anyway, you're 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 going down. You know, it's it's going to be a deficit that you have to make up for later. So when when pieces don't line up properly, you can't you have to take them out. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and I think that's actually one of the hardest things for any mosaic artist to do, mainly because of the time that is invested, especially in larger works, but also the expense. You know, you when you invest a great deal financially into your materials as well as yep. the time to go back and edit or make course corrections and actually chisel yep. out hours worth of work is really hard thing for people to do but I think it's also the bravest and uh, I think a lot of the most successful work has a lot of that happening that people don't realize I think they really don't realize I think when they see a successful work every piece was laid down in order and there was no editing and it was it just it just happened that way Sophie just makes these things and yeah um, right. so I, I like to hear the biggest, the 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 most frustrating one that I ever did is is going to be in Boston. It's a triptych. It's called um, exploitation, and the the one of the central areas of the mosaic is just uh, it, it, it the whole the whole thing is grays and whites and blacks, but a great a, there's a great swath of it in the middle where the tesserae are imprinted, but they're missing. Mm-hmm. It's it's done on purpose. And that is the area that caused me so much grief in this piece. I had to make it three times. Oh. I tore it all out twice. And I was never happy with it Um and it was, yeah, it was a problematic and I'll, bit. It was I'll share, very, very difficult. I'll share an image of that piece in the post that we put together uh, for the podcast on the SAMA website so people can see the work that she's talking to. If you don't get to make it to Boston in March for um, our exhibition and conference, um, <laughs> we're really looking forward to that. There's a lot of new work that we're going to be sharing with people in Boston. There are, uh, I think, one, two. There are there are a lot of pieces that Sama <laughs> has never seen. Um, there are a couple of pieces that have been in Europe, uh, and um, two of them were in the Canadian exhibition that we just had in in uh, Hamilton. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's, yeah, the greatest majority are are new to Sama. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's it's gonna be. I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and at the same time, I'm really really nervous. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> well, and I think that's a testament to your your commitment to. The medium, but also the work that you do. Um, I think it's really important for people to hear that when 
you create a volume of work, it's, it's not always a smooth road, but it's also when working in mosaic, something that you need to really invest conscious time with. It's not always something that oh, can yes. be hurried. Yes. You need also to push yourself, uh, to to make something always at a level that is as high as possible to the point of um, almost intense discomfort. So it's it's hard to sustain something like that. I mean, after after March, I, I might take a, a a few weeks break actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's been breakneck speed because I got to know about this exhibition last May, and um, mosaics don't don't make themselves in a day. Um, no, they don't. Yeah, and so um, it's it's. But they lend themselves yeah, to a committed, consistent practice. I think that's what I was going for, and your. Um, your body of work shows that. Like I said, you were in seven Mosaic Arts Internationals, um, juried into them. And a lot of the feedback we get about Mosaic Arts International, the juried segment of the exhibition is, you know, that it's the same artists all the time. Well, I think you are a testament that it takes a certain depth of commitment and love of materials and love of the process to create and push yourself to resonate with a very wide audience. And I think that's something that your work does. I think even though we change jurors every year, even though we're in a different venue each year, your work comes up as a favorite among any artists that we, any audience that we present it to, because it has Ooh. that resonance with with people and i'm just very grateful to you wow. for your commitment to the art form and what you've oh, provided us the work that you do um the translating mosaic magazine to english has been a great gift to the contemporary mosaic art world i think um, especially <laughs> well, the american this, audience well, this is something that I feel very strongly about because that that magazine I call it a a coffee table magazine. It's mm -hmm. it's not you know it's not Newsweek that's irrelevant you know after a short time. It's it's something you I I never imagine I'm going to throw mine out ever. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, while it was um, it. it it was good, like it, it's grown, and I'm very, very glad to be part of it because it, I think it's something that is invaluable for people all over the world to see each other's work. And I, I actually, I just finished translating the issue that's going to come out in on January 10, like three days ago, and it's it has 20 extra bonus pages for no extra money i mean it's such a good it's a it's such a good thing for the world of mosaic to have that i do take the time to translate this twice a year because 
I don't I I would not feel very good if I didn't because it's such a good thing. And you want to make it's, it accessible. It's worth, yeah, yeah, and and I mean it's it's it has very interesting articles that are very very challenging to translate because they're really deep and you need to I mean reading something and translating something there's a level of comprehension you need to have when you're translating so that it it really fits the same way so that you're true to the original text as much as possible yeah. but um the Europeans who read the French version and the North Americans have two different points of view sometimes I will work with the head the chief editor to be able to change it just a little bit so that it's understandable because there are different degrees of awareness of certain things in different parts of the world mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot you need to think about when you're you're offering something that was created in one part of the world and adapting it into another language well there's another place you need to adapt it for too right right so that's it's been so wonderful though working with uh Antoine and René Malaval they are absolutely wonderful people and they really strive to include um, I mean, they're they're French, and it's a little bit French-centric in some areas of the magazine. But they are striving so hard to uh, to report on absolutely all the mosaic events that they hear about, and they they have correspondence in as many countries as possible to bring a truly international look of mosaic and mosaic is like just turning a big big corner the um ravenna mosaico festival that just happened this fall was apparently more groundbreaking than ever before and at a such a a high level that that every person who who is implicated in in events there was very very excited and it's weird because it's also happening in other exhibitions too just think about the detroit mai uh exhibit that i i was you know i was reduced to tears at that show because it has it it's in one spot you had verdiano at the base of the building and then up up there on top of it we a lot of people who studied with him mm-hmm. and the show because of this dual beautiful thing philosophically as well as visually the the show was elevated to a whole new level things like that are happening pretty much all, all over, over and it's yeah it it, it, it it's coincidentally happening at once and it's really exciting to see it is it's very exciting to see and we will add the mosaic arts international 2018 invitational exhibition with sophie drew uh, <laughs> to that collection 
Um, we're really well, excited well, about I'm, it. I'm very lucky, and I'm so, so grateful for this opportunity. I, I never thought this would happen. I mean, it's not something you see coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sophie, we appreciate you um, taking some time to chat with me, and... I need you to get back to work so we can get ready to install in February. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm 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 headed I'm headed downstairs uh, right after this <laughs> to my my downstairs studio. Thank you, Sophie. We'll be talking oh, to you, you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I do hope you enjoyed that first episode of Behind the Mosaic. Don't forget, there's a link in the show notes to more images of Sophie's work, as well as some surprises she found in her family uh, photo album. Uh, she found a, a shot of her as a child with her sister um, in front of the mosaic that her father's students had made that was in the house that she grew up in, and a really great shot of her dad um, making mosaics in the 1950s. We'd also like to make sure while you're on the SAMHSA website, check out the information about the American Mosaic Summit, March 13th through the 18th. Uh, the plenty of workshop seats still available, and we hope to see you there. Again, thank you for listening. This is Don Marie Zimmerman. <music>